0: Welcome to Excel 360 Leadership Podcast, building world-class leaders one conversation at a time. Let's join our host, executive leadership coach, coach trainer, and business consultant, Christina Lee. Good afternoon welcome to Paradigm 360 Coach Training and Consulting. I am your leadership coach, Christina Lee, and I'm excited to be here with you with another leadership principle. Today, I'm going to highlight the subject of value systems. It's amazing how we live in a world, in particularly our country, where value systems have just gone out of the window. And so today, I kind of want to have a discussion on uh, the importance of value systems and Oftentimes, uh, people may tell you that they don't really have an opportunity to look deeply and delve into their values, Uh, but I suggest to you that even that statement alone is speaking out of your value system. So uh, let's kind of go over our agenda. I think what I'm going to do is do part one in this podcast, and we're going to cover five of the 10 value systems five of the 10 value systems. I'll come back with part two and we'll talk a little bit more about the remaining five. So what I want to start with is just kind of giving you an overview of our conversation today in our podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, why values are important. I think it's so important that we have a framework for why we need to have a value system. We're going to talk about what, what do values look like? Um, And how do we use them to prioritize our life? Now, you must understand that values are essential to keeping our life purpose on track. It is the lens in which we view how we are going to make decisions with our actions, uh, with our money, with our time. Uh, And so it really points toward our purpose, and our destiny. Values will guide us through major decisions, and it will also help us with important goal setting and priorities in our life. And so it's so important that each one of us uh, map out goals for our life so that we're able to have something, a course or something that life is charted by and we're not just aimlessly wandering through life. So when we talk about what are values, well, first of all, they don't answer the what in our life, okay? So values aren't a goal. It's not a vision. It's not a principle or doctrine or hopes or dreams. But value systems answer the why. See, value systems determine what your time, your energy, your money, what they will flow toward. They are inborn. They're not manufactured. They can't be borrowed or taken from someone else. Value systems are, are innate inside of you and it has a lot to do when you're a Christian with how you view your biblical worldview and how you display your relationship with Christ. You must understand that your value systems They people can see them because they are portable. You take them everywhere that you go. And when we talk about building a value system for our life, we're really talking about um, a statement that is going to reflect how we live in a particular area of our life. Now, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight all ten, but I'm only going to discuss uh, five of the ten for the sake of time. So here are the here's the, the the ten areas of our life where everyone should have value systems. The first one is spiritual life. All of us should have some type of value system for how we show up in our worship life, marriage and singleness, family and children, work church slash ministry, financial stewardship, physical stewardship, personal development, social stewardship, and hobbies and recreations. These are the 10 areas of our life that somewhat chart who we are as a human being. And when we have a statement that we can craft around these categories. We find ourselves living on target. The first one I want to talk today is about our spiritual life. Recently, I um, did a study with my um, staff on sustaining faith, and we came out of Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. I must admit that my pastor had first imparted this study into me, and it was so powerful I thought that I would share it with my staff. One of the things that I honed in on as we talk about Romans 12, 1 and 2, is the subject of renewing our mind. And as we dig deeper into our spiritual life, the only way that we can kill the stuff that we do in our carnal flesh is to daily renew our mind so that we can be transformed. Now, you must understand that when we talk about spiritual life, we're talking about it in the context of the second stage of our salvation. The first stage of our salvation is sanctific- Is, is uh, salvation, I'm sorry, Just being justified by faith, meaning that we've accepted Christ as our personal Savior. We have been justified meaning that the death, the burial, and the resurrection put together with our belief in him, our trust in him, that, that the body that was sown was the body that was grown, meaning that he got up and got out of the grave with a, with a bodily resurrection, and we put our saving faith in him because we acknowledge the fact that we are dirty and filthy, and raggedy, and that we need a savior to pardon us in all of our sin. We we come to the end of ourselves, and we realize that the only way that we can live a life of purpose is to be justified by his faith, by our faith. Now, the second stage of our salvation is sanctification. Sanctification is the process that allows us to grow in Christ. Sanctification allows us to be convicted by the Holy Spirit for the wrongdoing that we find ourselves doing. See, sanctification alerts us to our our humanity when our humanity is out of balance. And so while we're still on earth until the rapture comes, we all are being sanctified in our relationship with Christ. This is why discipleship is so important. Discipleship is important because it gives us an opportunity to be able to grow in a loving and deep rewarding relationship with Christ and cast our cares and our and and our worries and our hurts on him and grow in a loving relationship. I like the way the uh, the, uh, the writer John puts it, that we need to stay connected to the vine. And as long as we are staying connected to the vine, we are getting the nourishment that we need to be able to go to our next level. Now, uh, the third part of our salvation, since I'm, I'm sharing uh, the three-part process of salvation, is glorification. Glorification comes at the end. When we receive our new glorified body. Now our glorified body will be in heaven. And of course we won't have to worry about our sin nature or any of those issues that get in the way in this season of our life. While we're in the stage of sanctification, it is the consummation of all things. But until we are glorified with him in the totality of the fullness of of scripture and the fullness of all things, we still got to deal with earth and the battles that we encounter down here. So spiritual life, and I was sharing this with my team the other day, that it is amazing to me how we can be so deep and so spiritual, but there are certain things and certain uh, uh, places that we don't want to go for God or give up for God. See, I can't be spiritual if I don't understand on on an elementary level the importance of tithing and sowing back into the kingdom that is given so much to me. See, God has made a way for me to not have to worry about death in the sense that I will die physically, but spiritually, I will not die because I've accepted Him as my Savior. Now, that has to mean something to us as it relates to our spirituality because our spirituality is saying, God, I want to thank you for what you've done for me. And matter of fact, one writer put it this way, if I had 10,000 tongues, I wouldn't be able to thank you enough. I wouldn't be able to praise you enough. So my time, my talent, and my resources, they all belong to you. And when we understand that that everything we have first belongs to God, we don't struggle with the knowledge of giving things up. Now, not only do I understand that my talent and my time goes to God, I understand that my my attendance goes to God. The scripture says, That we should not forsake the gathering and the assembly of the saints. It is so amazing to me the number of people who profess to be in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet we expect the preacher to be there when we walk in on Sunday. But we get to determine if we're going to hit the snooze clock or if we're going to show up late or if we're going to worship at all. See, I don't understand this new uh, Christianity where we get to stay at home and we get to sit at Bedside Baptist and watch television. And I understand that we have all these different mediums as to how we can connect with God through the internet, through the TV. But listen, there's nothing that can ever replace the glory and the giftedness of corporate worship. When we replace the internet. With corporate worship, because we're tired, we are saying to God that I'm putting you on the back burner and I have compartmentalized you in my life. Now, I, I, I simply believe this, that if I'm in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, worship service is my reasonable, that's my reasonable duty. I shouldn't be vacillating on if I'm going to show up to church. If I'm vacillating on that, I need to understand what my value system is as it relates to worship and my spirituality. I can't be spiritual if I don't want to spend time with him. How in the world will we spend eternity in heaven, yet we don't see the value in going to church? Well, this is what people will say. Well, you know, um, you're putting all these demands. God is in my heart. I got a personal relationship with him. You do. You also have a personal relationship with your job, but you don't stay home on Monday. You get up and go to work. Why? Because there's a check attached. There's a check attached to your performance at work. And somehow or another, that check is empowering you and has power over you to do what you need to do for your earthly master who is your employer but your heavenly master who who wants you to be a voluntary slave for him, meaning that you are laying down your life in such a way that he wants you to love and worship him without him having to put preconditions or notions to it. Isn't it amazing how we do more for our careers? how we do more for sports, how we do more for our personal personal obligations and our friends than we do for God. Isn't it amazing that we do things like regularly skip Bible study? How do we regularly skip Bible study if we have a value system around spirituality and worship? I don't understand what kind of value system that is where I don't want to, to to lend myself to discipleship opportunities so that I can further and develop my faith. Now, watch this. You may say, Well, I attend church on Sunday morning. Well, great. But Sunday morning has a different emphasis than Bible study. Sunday morning is the day that the saints gather and we're supposed to bring people with us into the temple so that we can evangelize the world. See, we have a responsibility. Sunday morning is an opportunity after we've shared our faith all week, we've glorified God, uh, we're on empty, and we go back to get a refilling, a refueling. It's just like your car. Your car can't drive forever without being refueled, without being retooled, without a tune-up every now and then. And so what do we do? We go into the gas station and we put five on it or we put 10 on it or we put 20 on it. This is what your Sunday morning worship does. Sunday morning worship gives you something that you can't provide for yourself. Now, Bible study is a different medium because Bible study is the place where you're coming together with other Christians, and you are going through a learning uh, process together. In some settings, you can raise your hand and get your questions answered. You can't do that on Sunday morning. You may be following a printout or a worksheet and doing a fill-in-in-the-blank Uh, Oftentimes the delivery is different. Teaching is different than preaching. And so you have an opportunity to gather uh, once again within the week with other Christians and with other believers so that you can have an opportunity to strengthen your faith. Bible study is not something we choose to do. Bible study is something we ought to do. And watch this now. My love relationship with him should drive me to a place where I desire to be in the temple. I love the writer ASAP, and he talks about in the Psalms how he was disgusted and and broke down and, and dealing with what he saw in the world, and it appeared that the unrighteous were being able to get all the things that they wanted accomplished, but the righteous seemed to always have struggles. But ASAP said, when I went into the temple... When he went into the temple, he realized the glory and the power of the Lord. And sometimes midweek service can give us something that will put some some stuff on hold in our life and allow us to reclaim and rename the power of God in our life so that we can make it for the rest of the week. I stopped by to tell you, don't compromise what God wants to do in your life through midday services or midweek services, if you will, discipleship and fellowship. Now, this is important. Now, the, the third thing I want to hit on is this. One of the things, one of the sacraments in the body of Christ is communion. And oftentimes, I see people skipping one of the most important sacraments of our faith. Communion is something that we should Um, regularly, as, as often as we can, we should participate in. Why? Because it gives us a personal opportunity to get with God and to commune with him and not point the finger at others who've sinned against us, but to put the magnifying glass of the word on our personal life and come clean before him and repent of our sins. Now, this is important for the Christian walk. The Christian walk can't live without regular repentance. You say, well, I, 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 repent. I repent in my bedroom. That's great. But it's something about corporate repentance and corporate communion that, that that worship does something for God. It's something about receiving the elements of the body and the blood. It's something about the commemoration of understanding the importance of the sacrament of communion. And when we sleep on communion and we don't look at communion as being something that is important, we're sleeping on God. We're sleeping on the fact that Jesus died for our sin. That 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 that, that communion juice is symbolic of the blood that was shed on Calvary. The the bread is is, is symbolic of the body that was broken and, and, and and bruised for our iniquity. And what we're saying to him is that I'll never forget what you did on Calvary. And while I stand before you in this natural form, I'm going to repent of sins of omission and sins of commission because I realize that although I am a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'm a new creature. I still realize as the apostle Paul says that I struggle with my flesh. I have to beat myself into submission regularly because of the things that my body wants to do. And so communion, communion is a, a, a necessity. And there's some people in the body of Christ that they don't, they don't even uh, reverence. They have no reverential fear of God to be able to take part in something that is one of the most meaningful engagements with God that we can do in our Christian life. I submit to you today that there is nothing more important than the fellowship of breaking bread and drinking the wine which represents the blood of Christ with our brethren in collective worship. Listen, when we talk about spirituality, we are talking about a value system that is nestled in the very word of God that we are committing our lives to living it in such a way that every biblical decision that I make pertaining to my relationship with you, God, I will bring it under subjection to the word. What we're saying is that I don't make any type of decision without making sure that I vet it through the lens of scripture, that that I want to make sure before I go into any type of relationship that I am in a relationship that glorifies you. And so, those of us who are struggling—you're struggling with relationships. You're you're living or uh, with someone out of wedlock. You're 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 sleeping with someone that you're not married to yet. You you boast that you are in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, and you may be saved because we can be saved and still fall into temptation and sin. However, the question is, can you be saved and live without conviction of falling into temptation and sin? And if there's no conviction around the, the things that you're doing in your life, you may want to find out if your salvation is true. Is true based on the cross and the death, burial, and the resurrection of, of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Or is your salvation A cultural response to Christianity. What do you mean? I simply mean this that because we live in the Western Hemisphere, it is socially acceptable to accept Christ or God, as you will, as our Savior. Not because we've really given Him our life, not because we've made Him Lord, not because we've made Him Master but simply because we're borrowing big mama's faith simply because this is all we know. Watch this. Now, if I lived in India, I would, I would be Hindu. Uh, if, if I was, uh, uh, in other parts of the country, I I may be Islamic. You must understand that our relationship with Christ can't be a cultural approach to salvation. But our relationship with Christ has to be a sure foundation relationship with Christ that I know that I know that the Bible is the word of God, that I know that it is the infallible writings and the truth of God. And I have accepted it and I believe it. And I believe in the pardon of my sin in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Now, Many of us only say Jesus because it's the only medium of faith that we know. So we wonder why it's so easy for us to remain in sin without any conviction, for us to go through life without desire of worship, for us to go through life without submitting to our covering or our spiritual leadership. I'll tell you why. Because some of us need to check our faith. Some of us need to check our faith. Some of us need to really reevaluate what the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ and the pardon of our sins really means to us. Because the God that I worship, it's just not easy to not connect with Him. The God that I worship nudges me when I don't go to service. The God that I worship it bothers me when I don't tithe. The God that I worship reminds me that I need to commune with Him. When we talk about value systems, when we talk about spirituality and how we show up and how that shows up as a value of my belief system. We're really talking about how you approach the cross in your life. My time is up. I thank you for yours. And I'll see you at the top. for listening to Excel 360 Leadership Podcast. If you would like to know more about how we're building and equipping world-class leaders one conversation at a time, follow us on the web at paradigm360consulting.com or drop us a line at info at p360coach.com. With that said, our time is up. We thank you for yours and we'll see you at the top.